What's up, everybody, and welcome to another week of College Football Pod Talk. This is your co-host, Easton. And Josh. And just want to make sure you guys give us a listen and hit us up if you have any questions or concerns at collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com. Josh, our Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter, CFB Pod Talk. We're, we're here. We're here to listen to y'all, take comments and concerns. Appreciate the support. Let's get into our second year head coaches on the hot seat. Josh, who are coaches on the hot seat right now? So we got Willie Taggart, Chip Kelly, Jeremy Pruitt, and Chad Morris. You know, two of those coaches won and Jeremy Pruitt and Chad Morris. Uh, granted, they didn't beat caliber teams, so to say. So, are the fan bases happy? Uh, you know, what we'll to determine that. Willie Taggart and Chip Kelly both lost again. Yeah, Willie Taggart definitely should have won that game. It was a close game. Uh, they started off strong versus Virginia and ended up taking an L as Virginia ended up scoring 21 points in the fourth quarter. Chip Kelly played against Oklahoma. We'll go a little more in depth later, but UCLA is just not looking very good at all. So. Well, on the, on the Willie Taggart front, I just saw something today that was pretty funny. There's a uh, four-year-old little kid selling lemonade to to help go for the buyout of Willie Taggart. Really? $17 million buyout. This kid's <laughs> selling $20 cups of lemonade. Oh, and I'm sure people are buying it. I think people are very impatient and don't see Willie Taggart as the right coach for that program. So it should be interesting to see what's going to happen for him and uh, the Seminoles moving forward. Moving on to the games of the week. Our first game we had was Wake Forest versus North Carolina. Wake Forest took a 21-0 lead going into the halftime. And it wasn't until the second half that North Carolina woke up scoring 18 points. But it just wasn't enough to get the win as Wake Forest wins 24-18. North Carolina actually got robbed on the last play as uh, the random back actually ran out of bounds with one second left, but the clock or the referees actually said time expired and ended the game, and they actually apologized the next day. That's because Wake Forest is the home team. That's, yeah. <laughs> you, get that, you get that benefit of being the home team. Yeah. You know, it's weird fact about this game, it actually wasn't an ACC game. So both teams don't, or, or North Carolina in this case, doesn't have an ACC loss. Oh, nice. Which is, would benefit them in the ACC. Yeah, yeah, it was a good game, but I thought Mac Brown's team showed showed a little more luster in that second half. They came out a better team in the second half. So let's just go straight into that Washington Hawaii game. I mean, we're rooting for Hawaii to start off three and zero in the Pac-12, but you know, after that loss to Cal, UW just came out swinging, scoring twenty one in the first and another seventeen in the second. And the, after that, the game was pretty much over. UW cruised to a 52-20 to victory over Hawaii. Jacob Easton finished the game 18 of 25 for 262 yards and three TDs. The UW defense was still seeming to struggle a little bit on tackling. Uh, is this going to cause an issue for them, even next week's game against BYU? I definitely think it will be a problem for them. UW is a team that really relied on their defense last year, and... This is going to be a problem for them as they do have a lot of youth on that defense, but everybody should know how to tackle and wrapping up is one of those things that it's an effort issue. And if they work on their tackling, which is something they can improve on, they should be able to get this W down at a BYU, but it will be a very good challenge for B or UW as BYU has had two big victories the past two weeks and uh, big games. So. Well, to me, it also seems like UW is not getting the same production out of their run team run game either. Yeah. You know, they, they need to run the ball more. Last year they were able to run the ball pretty effortlessly with Gaskins. And it seems like more of a struggle this year as well. Yeah, they do have a new running back, uh, Newton, who 
who just came out of nowhere. He actually had eight rushes for 29 yards and three tugs. So, And their leading receiver was actually their tight end, Hunter Bryant, which I was surprised by. Had 115 yards and a touchdown. But like you said, you know, they do need more production on the offense. And where that come from, who's, who knows, you know. So it should be interesting to see how they do moving forward. But they do need to step it up if they want to be one of the top teams in the Pac-12. From from Pac-12 to Big Ten, let's let's talk Indiana, Ohio State. Uh, really, really, the only good part of this game uh, was the first quarter. If you were hoping for a good game, but other than that, you know, not a great game. Ohio State scored 23 in the second and never looked back on their 51 to 10 victory. Justin Fe- Justin Fields once again had himself a day. 14 to 24, 199 yards passing with three passing touchdowns, also one rushing. J.K. Dobbins, you know, man, he tore it up. 22 carries, 193 yards, and one TD. As well as their backup running back, great first name, Master Teague the third. 10 carries, 106 yards, one one touchdown. How State still seems to be clicking on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, is it national cha- championship or bust for this team? I don't think so. This is the first year head coach. He came into a phenomenal position where he has talent all around him. So he has Justin Fields leading as the captain, and then he has all the talent around him, J.K. Dobbins and company. So it's it, it, they have a good team. It, I don't think it's a matter of championship or bust. You know, I think they do have high expectations because it is Ohio State, but also at the same time, if they lose a few games, it's not going to be on Coach Day. I think it's just a matter of working together as a team. But Ohio State's a good team. But when it comes to conference play, this is where the real challenges will be. But, you know, they're playing Indiana. So it's not really showing much. So let me let me change the question a little bit. Is it a playoff berth or bust for him? Because let's compare him with, say, Lincoln Riley. As Lincoln Riley's first year, he took Oklahoma to the college football playoff. Yeah, but I think the Big Ten is more challenging than the Big 12. I think people will actually, you know, some people may disagree. But Ohio State has more challenging competition than Oklahoma does in the regular season, or excuse me, in the conference play. So I think, you know, when it comes down to picking teams, I think Ohio State has an edge over Oklahoma simply because of the strength of schedule. So that alone, I think, will give them the benefit of the doubt over a one-loss Oklahoma team. Penn State and Pittsburgh, number 13 Penn State at home hosting Pittsburgh. Now this is a rivalry that goes a long, long way, and this ended up being a good game and a defensive battle, but Penn State takes the win 17 to 10. Pitt had the lead going ten, or had a lead 10-7 just before the half, and Penn State kicker hits a school record 57-yard field goal going into the half, uh, tying it up at 10. Penn State took the lead going into the third quarter to go up 17-10, but Pitt actually got the ball down to the one-yard line with five minutes to go and chose to kick the field goal instead of going for it and missed the 19-yard field goal uh, and a tough loss for Pittsburgh. But I think uh, Pittsburgh should have went for that on fourth and one. Well, and then the coach comes out saying that it was a two-score game. It's like, well, I mean, well, you could have. Got the touchdown and got a two-point conversion. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I would I would take the risk and run the ball, and you know, at least you have more more guys to take responsibility to make a play rather than relying on one kicker. What, and even though it was a 19-yard chip shot, that's a lot of pressure on that freshman kicker. What I don't like about that is this is the last time this game is going to be played for a while. They didn't yeah. renew the rivalry, so 
it's you know if you're Pittsburgh, go for the go for the touchdown, score, you know, tie the game up right away, you know, come on. Yeah, coach. Penn State actually had a player transfer from Penn State to Pittsburgh, and so they actually had to change up their whole defensive scheme because they already knew what was happening. But Pittsburgh coach already knew that it's too hard to adjust hand signals and relay it to the defense to get it to them in time. But who knew? But it was a pretty interesting story on that fact. Moving on, let's go to the SEC. What you got for us? We got Tennessee and Chattanooga. You know, put this one in the the win column for good old Rocky Top. Uh, Tennessee, as they get the 45-0 victory over Chattanooga. You know, not much of a game at all. I will say Jeremy Pruitt needs to uh, get this Tennessee team ready to play better caliber teams in, oh. in the coming weeks. Yeah, Chattanooga, they're not the most challenging team, and it's not really going to show your strength. And yeah, I may give Tennessee some confidence going into conference play, but that still shouldn't give them enough confidence to think that they're all that because they did lose their first two games. And- Ch- Chattanooga is known for one t- one thing and one thing only. That's Terrell Owens. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Mean, that's what they're known for in, in, say, college football. Yeah. Let's go straight into Temple and Maryland. You know, we put this on the board because Maryland was scoring points the first yeah, couple Yeah, 60 weeks. plus. Well, guess what? Maryland did not score points like we talked about. Maryland <laughs> came into this game as a ranked team and got the L. This is five games in a row in which Maryland has been ranked and, and get the loss as Temple got the victory 20-17. to 17. Man. Yeah, let's go back to the Pac-12, some more interesting play, even though it wasn't the best for our Stanford Cardinals, as they went down to number 17 UCF. Stanford definitely didn't play their best and didn't show very much competition as the Knights put work on the Stanford Cardinals and got the W, 45-27. to Their freshman quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, in his only second start, went 22 for 30, 347 yards and four touchdowns. UCF has a new QB, but same championship-style team. UCF UCF went up 31 at half and never looked back. And uh, UCF actually won 28 of their 29 last games. So they look like a squad, and Stanford Cardinals look like a mess. KJ Costello was back and just didn't look very good. Well, that UCF loss was last year in the bowl game to, I believe, LSU. LSU, yeah. And UCF gave LSU a run for their money. Yeah, that was a good game. If UCF continues to win... Do they get a spot in that that final four? That's been the argument for a long time, Josh. It, it, but it always comes down to strength of schedule, and these—that's the thing a lot of people don't understand—is these schedules are planned out five, six years in advance. So when you you schedule these these games, you don't know that this team is going to be as dominant as they are. And now you're you're in a negative because you go twelve and zero, but now your strength of schedule isn't that great, and that's your only loss technically. For, you know, not making it into the playoffs. So it's it's tough for a UCF team where you go undefeated but don't get the credibility of it, you know. So they're, you know, n- not necessarily national champs. At some but. point, maybe the ACC should pick up a UCF and see if they could contend in there. That'd be a... Yeah, know, that's actually not a bad idea. Good kick pick out up a, for the ACC is I believe the ACC needs a little more talent. Michigan State and Arizona State. You know, if you're a fan of defense, this was a game for you. Herm Edwards and the Arizona State uh, team get the victory 10-7 over Michigan State. Points were hard to come by. Going into the fourth, it was a 3-0 lead by Arizona State. Michigan State put the first touchdown on the board with a nine-yard run from Elijah Collins. But with 50 seconds left in the game, 
Arizona State put in a TD run by themselves with Eno Benjamin uh, to go up 10-7. to You know, Michigan State did drive the ball down the field to get into field goal range, and they actually made a field goal. Mm. Flag with too many too many players on the field. Oh, discipline. Somebody, discipline. Somebody should get fired over that one, right? Yeah, and I think it's pretty funny because a lot of t- uh, this that morning on college game day, they were really hyping up number 18 Michigan State, saying that Arizona State had no chance in this game. But Arizona State has been looking really solid on defense. Arizona State has been looking good on defense. I will say Michigan did get a second try, but the kicker, uh, kicker missed the field goal. Oh. So... So that five-yard penalty kind of blew it Wow! for Michigan State. Moving forward, another rivalry game. We had number 19, Iowa, going against Iowa State at home. And this was this lived up to the hype, Josh, I tell you, man. But this actually ended up having a lightning delay, a three-hour lightning delay, as number 19, Iowa, pulled off the win with the rivalry 18-17. to It's only a few plays that made the difference. Both QBs actually played really well, and it came down to a huge fourth down stop by Iowa and a muff punt that sealed the game also by Iowa. Iowa State players colliding and uh, muffed the punt, and uh, Iowa actually uh, got the ball. You know, I, I really do like that Nathan Stanley, the quarterback for Iowa, and Brock Purdy. They both both are very talented quarterbacks. You know, I hate hate that, you know, one of these teams had to take the L, but it's college football. Somebody's got to lose, right? Yeah. Yeah, Nate Stanley for Iowa, he, he's a very competitive athlete. He went 22 for 35, 201 yards, and had a rushing touchdown. And then, like you said, Brock Purdy, who also played well, went 24 for 34, 276 yards and a touchdown. It was a good game, but uh, Iowa State just couldn't pull it out at home. And Iowa, they're looking like a strong team. So do you think they're going to compete with some people moving forward? Iowa always competes with people. Yeah. I, they always have that stingy defense they always score, you know, they don't score a ton of points, but they play good, you know, Big Ten football. Yeah, they play pissed off, man. But think <laughs> about it. I'd be pissed off if I lived in Iowa. I'd eat a lot of corn. <laughs> <laughs> or, or what, potatoes, I guess. Something. <laughs> number nine, Florida going to Kentucky. This was a good game all around as number nine, Florida, takes a close win in Lexington, 29-21. to This actually was after UK had a lead of 21-10 to in the third Florida thought it was all over when their starting quarterback, Felipe Frank, suffered a season-injuring knee injury. But the Gators rallied behind their second-string quarterback, Kyle Trask, and scored 19 cents Frank's injury. And it was an unbelievable win by Florida. The team looked like a different team under Kyle Trask. Yeah. You know, Frank's, you know, I get, you know, he's your guy. But if your backup's playing that much better... Maybe Franks shouldn't have been the guy. But that's that's the thing, though, Josh. Felipe Franks had a really good game before he got injured, going 12 for 17, 174 yards, one touchdown. He did throw one interception, but, you know, he was leading them well before he got injured, and it was really sad to see. You know, we've been very critical of the kid, but, you know, you never want to see a kid get injured, you know. So it was very tough for Florida, but, you know, you – when the, a team rallies behind a player like that and wants to come out still pull off a W, that's that's huge and it shows what type of team Florida has. Yeah, but Florida's definitely got a talented team. You know, we'll see what they can do going forward without Franks. Yeah. What see, about the number one team in the nation? Oh man, you know Clemson, Syracuse. This has been a pretty good game in past years. Uh, not this year though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know 
Clemson gets the 41-6 victory, and, you know, this Clemson offense kind of seemed like they woke up in the game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 22-39, 395 yards, three TDs. Um, he did throw two more uh, picks, which is a five picks on the year already. Do you think he's trying to play more risky, or do you think he's just throwing bad passes? Or I, I'm going to go with bad passes. It's, yeah. You know, the first – they haven't been scoring a lot of points in general, and he just doesn't seem like he was, say, heading the game, I guess. Um, you know, but this was really just never a game. It's, and I will say the Clemson defense has impressed me a ton, especially after how many players got drafted. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They got depth on that team. And when you're the number one team in the nation, you're going to have some depth. You have a lot of guys who are probably, you know, five stars who would start on any other team in the country, but they're backups at the number one team in the nation. So when you're a backup there, you're ready to play for your opportunity. And so when it's your time, they show up. So it's just a matter of having those right right people in those positions to make plays. And Clemson got it down. Yeah, Clemson looks unstoppable. But you know who else looks unstoppable? Hmm. The Jalen Hurts show. Hmm. He continued to roll as Oklahoma got the 48-14 victory over UCLA. Uh, Jalen Hurts himself had 439 total yards, uh, 289 passing, three passing touchdowns, 150 rushing yards with the touchdown. The UCLA offense only put together 311 total yards. Jalen Hurts outdid the UCLA team by himself. Well, this is a crazy thing. In the first drive for Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts had 99 yards rushing and a touchdown. 90, that's not an exact... 99 yards and a touchdown in their first drive. If that doesn't say what type of player Jalen Hurts is, uh, you don't know football. This man, I think he's the leading runner for the Heisman candidate, and I don't see him losing it, especially with how sloppy uh, Trevor Lawrence has been playing, even though they've been blowing him out. But I, I was like... I'm rooting for Jalen Hurts because I want that J- Oklahoma-Alabama matchup so bad. <laughs> it, it hurts oh, me that, yeah. on the inside. And the, uh, the only way I see it happening is if both teams make it to the college football playoff. But that's the matchup I want so bad. Yeah, and that would be the storyline how of the century. You know, two guys who are you know playing with each other, playing on the same team, and one takes the other guy's position, the other guy takes the other guy's position. Both win national championships, and now you know they're at two different schools, and the opportunity to play against each other would be awesome. You know, it'd be just a, a great story to have. An awesome thirty for thirty. So on <laughs> on ten twelve. Uh, Oklahoma faces Texas. Before Texas, they got Texas Tech and they got Kansas. Is are either any of those teams going to be able to slow down this Jalen Hurts show? I well, the these teams are definitely better. I wouldn't put under under uh, estimate a, a Kansas team that's run by the old man Les Miles because they look like a good defensive squad themselves. So you know, I think once teams start to get more film on Jalen Hurts because this is a different offense for him. But once they get more film on him, they will adjust. And once one team figures it out, it's a copycat league. So once once one team figures it out, they're just going to copy each other and slow them down. But hopefully that's the opportunity to have. But they, he also has a lot of talent around him with C.D. Lamb. 
yeah, it should be good moving forward. Oklahoma doesn't even have to use the running backs because Jalen Hurts runs all runs down the field. Yeah, it looked really easy, and it made Pac-12 look bad, especially with the UCLA defense. I know they're young, and that's one excuse that Chip Kelly tends to use a lot in most of his interviews, but, you know, a lot of teams have young players, so you still need to win games or at least be competitive in challenging games like that. One of the other games we did have on our radar was TCU visiting Purdue. Uh, we thought it would be more of a challenging game as TCU took the win 34-13. to But there was a lot of run, uh, ground and pound from TCU as Darius Anderson had 16 carries for 179 yards and two touchdowns. But it was a, pretty much a breeze for TCU and company as they got the win and uh, moving forward. How'd your Cougs do? Oh, man, this was quite the game. Anthony Gordon threw for another 403rd straight game as the number 20 Washington State Cougars get the win against the Houston Cougars 31-24. This game was 0-0 until the second quarter when Houston took a 7-0 lead. The Cougs, Washington State Cougs, excuse me, answered back when Gordon threw a touchdown to Aesop Winston. Houston misses a huge fourth and one early in the second half when they fumbled the snap and the Cougs get the ball on the Houston side. It's a really interesting game. The Cougs scored 24 in the second half and seemed to look a lot more comfortable towards the end of the game and finished strong going 3-0 in the season and 1-0 versus real competition. This game was penalty-filled and was pretty embarrassing for the refs and a lot of the calls were very suspect. Beyond the 200-plus yards and penalties, it was a pretty good game. And fun fact, Dana Holgrimson and uh, Mike Leach have known each other for 30-plus years, but this was their first game playing against each other. Pretty, that's pretty crazy. I do have a question. Anthony Gordon, does he have a chance to break some passing records? You know, Mike Leach has always had these quarterbacks that throw – 400 yards a game and they end up breaking passing records you know is he gonna is he gonna be the next one well the way it's looking it it sure does look like it as he's averaging 400 yards a game passing he's a stud man and it's it's still you know houston they are very good competition but i do want to see a more challenging defense and see how he does and how he handles adversity because he have we haven't had a real challenging defense to go against so once we get a challenging pass rush and go get some solid dbs we'll see how anthony gordon does and if he keeps that nickname, Eric Gordon, because he's slinging it right now, man. <laughs> he but, is slinging it. Yeah, the Cougs sure. look good, man. He went 36 for 48, 440, three tugs, one interception. Our our stud, Max Borgie, had nine rushes for 40 yards and a touchdown. And this Brandon Arcanado had nine receptions, 115 yards. Look out for this guy. He's a new name for the Cougs. Uh, been on the team for a few years, but he's he's quite the stud. He's one of those slot uh, receivers that you got to look out for, and he'll be on your radar these next few weeks. You guys have wide receivers coming out your ears. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing I do like about our team is that they do sling it to a lot of different wide receivers. On the other side of the ball, you know, Houston's quarterback, Derek King, he was the whole offense for them. He went 13 for 24, 128 yards, one passing touchdown. He rushed for 17, 17 times, 94 yards, and two touchdowns. Couldn't stop him much but besides that the Cougs looked pretty good and you know we play UCLA next week and a uh, very young UCLA as Chip Kelly would use uh, so this will be a you know hopefully it should be a good game for the Cougs but should be a good W for us moving forward uh, how about those Rebels how'd you guys end up doing uh, well you know Ole Miss did get the 40 to 29 win but it's it's not the win I was kind of hoping for I wanted to the blowout blow them out of the water um the game was way closer than it should have been almost still has a lot of work to do on both sides of the ball um we do have a lot of bright spots we got young players on the offensive side of the 
ball that I, I really like and that are really going to be special going forward. Starting with our redshirt freshman uh, quarterback, Matt, Matt Correll, 21 of 30, 239 yards and two TDs. Um, we got two f- true freshman running backs, Jerron Ely, nine carries for 95 yards. He also had a 94-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Another freshman uh, running back, Snoop Connor, nine carries for 51 yards. I like that name. And those, yeah, <laughs> those are just two two true freshmen. We still have Scotty Phillips, who's a senior who broke 100 yards, and you know my favorite uh, wide receiver, Elijah Moore, who who are still turning it out. Yeah, and that's the thing you got to be positive about is that. You have young players making plays. You got two true freshmen playing at running back. That alone shows that they're, you know, they're planning for the future and understand that they have a young team and actually putting them in positions to play early on so they can have the experience moving forward as they get older. And you know, I I, I can see Ole Miss doing a lot better moving forward. Yeah, we just needed to come together. Like like I said, you know, we should have we should have crushed this team. I mean, the score, yeah, forty to twenty nine. You might think it's a good win, but. Really, Southeast Louisiana was in this game pretty much the whole game. So let's move on to the surprising games. BYU, man. Let's start off just talking about BYU. This is a team that everybody needs to start putting on their radar. The BYU Cougars uh, were at home, and they hosted number 24 USC, and they actually pulled off the win 30-27. to After BYU opening a loss to Utah, BYU has turned the corner and got the win over Tennessee and then USC in their second overtime game in two weeks. USC had three crucial turnovers and were the difference makers in the overtime thriller. Quarterback Zach Wilson of BYU is starting to look more comfortable at quarterback, and he threw for a touchdown and rushed for one. This man is looking like a stud, and BYU is looking like a good team to compete with. Is this one team we should be worrying about moving forward? If I was anybody playing BYU, I'd worry about it. That coach has them ready. You know, They had a very tough opener against Utah. Utah is a great team. Just because they lost that opening game doesn't mean they're a crappy team. They've they got two pretty good victories in, in their belt now over Tennessee and over USC. Yeah, BYU is a good team, well coached team, well disciplined team. Uh, I think USC, you know, Keaton Slotus, the quarterback we hyped up a lot, you know, who had a lot of hype behind him actually. He went twenty four for thirty four, a hundred or two hundred eighty one yards, two touchdowns, but he did throw three interceptions, which were the difference makers in the game. Their stud wide receiver Michael Pittman Jr. had nine receptions for ninety five yards and two touchdowns. But yeah, I think Zach Wilson and uh, the BYU defense were the difference makers in this game as uh, they actually had a tipped interception to close them out in overtime as they got the W. But uh, another loss for the Pac-12. Well, we had another we had a surprise game in the SEC as well as Mississippi State lost to Kansas State 31-24. to You know, Kansas State I don't typically think of as a football program, but they beat Mississippi State this, this past weekend. Mississippi State's offense looked like it, like it had some trouble. They did bench their starting quarterback in the third and brought in a true freshman, Garrett Schrader. Uh, Schrader led this Mississippi team, Mississippi State team on some scoring drives, but one of the funnier plays was to end the game when, uh, when he was rushing for trying to get a fourth down conversion. And uh, he tried to leap over two guys at the same time, and both the guys hit him, and he went about 10 to 15 feet into the air. Oh, yeah. If I mean, 
I'm glad he wasn't hurt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, seriously. I'm not rooting for the guy to get injured, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty awesome looking play. If you love football hits, he he flew like a you know a propeller on a helicopter. Uh, if you remember the John Elway play, uh, very similar to that one. But just imagine nine feet up in the air. It's, it was it was I mean, a pretty cool play. Unfortunately, he didn't even get the first no, down for it. But they should have given it to him. <laughs> he, was, he was sky high and. He looked a little dazed and confused. I don't think he got a concussion or anything, but he was slow to get up. Oh, I'm yeah. sure that, that hurt. Oh, knocked the air out of you. It landed on your back and nine feet in the air. So, you know, that's quite... And getting hit, so... so let's just jump into what games we're going to watch next week. For the non-Big Five conference, you know, I'm going to pay attention to Boise State, ranked number 20, playing Air Force. Air Force beat Colorado last week. Um, you know, can they beat this Boise State team? Air Force is a well-disciplined team, speaking about discipline, and Boise State's a a young, up-and-coming team, especially with their quarterback. He's been a stud lately as a freshman and been slinging the ball, but if Air Force can uh, hold hold down the uh, passing game on Boise State, I can see Air Force having a chance. Let's go. Let's go into another non-Big Five uh, conf- uh, game. Let's go Pitt and and UCF. And you know we're saying this is a non-Big Five because because you know UCF UCF is you know putting up numbers. They're in ranked number fifteen. That you know I think they're going to crush it. Yeah, well, Pitt just had a close loss versus a, a good Penn State team, so it's just a matter of slowing down that quarterback at UCF. That offense is stellar, and if you can slow it down or figure it out a little bit, I think Pitt may have an opportunity to uh, surprise some people, at least make it a challenging game. Moving on to the ACC, we have Florida State hosting Louisville. Florida State's looking kind of rough. They start off strong, but they just can't finish. Um, and is Louisville going to take advantage of something like that? Florida State is 1-2 and two on the season, and Louisville is 2-1, and one, putting this on the watch list because the coach at Florida State, Willie Taggart, just isn't cutting it right now. They can start, but can they finish? Willie Taggart, you know, you need to pull out. If you can't get some non-conference victories, you need to get some victories in the ACC. <clears throat> Let's go to the Big 12, where first we got lined up is Kansas, West Virginia. You know, Kansas ran the ball all over Boston College last week. Wes Miles has has done a quick job of turning this team around. You know, Kansas is actually relevant in football. Yeah, they're not just a basketball team anymore. They they got a good, uh, pretty decent, can't, I won't say good, they got a pretty decent Kansas team. And West Virginia, you know, they're up and down. They did lose their starting quarterback, Will Greer, from last year. So it's it's a matter of what type of team Kansas is going to pull out this week and uh, are they going to have a home win versus West Virginia. So another big game we have is Texas at home. Texas is ranked number 12 right now against Oklahoma State. Uh, Oklahoma State is 3-0 and Texas is 2-1 on the season so far. You know, this Oklahoma State-Texas game, it's not as big as Oklahoma-Texas, but it's still a big game, especially for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I don't think this will be a challenge for Sam Ellinger, and they're they're gonna. I think I could see them rolling through OSU and just getting an easy win for them. Moving on to the Big Ten, we have number thirteen Wisconsin hosting number eleven Michigan. To be honest with you, I don't even know why Michigan's ranked number eleven right now. They don't look like a very good team and look like one of the lower teams on the Big Ten. This Michigan offense is going to have to get going quick, uh, especially against a tough Wisconsin defense. Yeah, it's just I I can see Wisconsin getting the W in this game if they if they hold down on and bring some offense. I can see Wisconsin definitely getting a W in this. Moving on to the Pac-12, the best conference in the country, USC is hosting number ten Utah. How do you think this is going to play out? I'm I got Utah, and if I'm a betting man, I'm betting Utah. 
Yeah. Yeah, Utah looks like a more polished team, and I can see them going into the Coliseum and putting a little smackdown on the Trojans. Speaking of uh, smackdown, we got a good game, and BYU hosting number 22, University of Washington Huskies. What kind of game are we going to get from Jacob Eason? Is he going to ball out versus the BYU Cougars, or are we going to have a uh, wishy-washy game? Well, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, that's for sure. Uh, Easton's going to have to put points on the board if Washington's I'm not playing in the game. It's Eason. Whatever. <laughs> Eason. Jacob Eason. <laughs> yeah, you're giving me a lot of hype and giving me some pretty good stats. I'll take them, though. I got, Move- a, I got a stutter. <laughs> Moving on to some stats, we got Oregon, number 16, going to Stanford. Stanford's been struggling and don't look like that polished team Shaw's been having the past few years. Is Oregon going to get this W down at Stanford? Uh, Oregon. It's Oregon all the way. Yeah, sure. definitely. And then our final game in the Pac-12, we have number 24, Arizona State, who's been looking really solid versus a a stout Colorado team. Colorado doesn't look like a bad team, but Arizona does look much better. I just want to know if Colorado can score more than seven points on that Arizona State defense. Yeah, Arizona State's defense has been really solid, and man, talk about a turnaround team in his first year. Uh, How about that SEC, what we got down there? So, this is actually the best conference in college football. You know, first we got uh, Mississippi State at home versus Kentucky. Kentucky you know, you don't typically think of this as a big matchup, but Kentucky's been showing out the past two years. Um, so I think Kentucky will probably pull this one. Stoops, Stoops is doing right for them. I think he's a stud coach, and he's put Kentucky in some pretty competitive games where they were at the bottom of the barrel of the SEC, but now they're looking like a competitive team. And I would say, you know, rough up some teams early on and, you know, may may throw some uh, throw a wrench in the SEC. Yeah. And then we got Florida at home, number nine Florida facing Tennessee. Uh, Florida will have their backup quarterback, and, you know, Tennessee got their first win last week. I don't know if Jeremy Pruitt can pull one out at Florida, but if he does, that <laughs> – might save his, his coaching career if yeah. he's really on the second-year hot seat. Honestly, if Tennessee can create a pass rush and just fluster the Florida backup quarterback, I can I can definitely see Tennessee pulling something out. You know, you can't give up on them. Yeah, they started out 0-2, but I'm sure, you know, they Jeremy Pruitt and those coaches, you know, put, put some uh, – made them run some gassers at yeah. practice, to say the least, you know. Put, so put I can definitely see uh, Tennessee at least competing in the game. So next we have uh, – Texas A&M at home, number 17 Texas A&M is facing number 8 Auburn. Um, You know, this is going to be a great game, a great, real big challenge for the true freshman Auburn quarterback, Bo Nix. You know what, to be honest, I think Texas A&M is going to take it. Yeah, I can definitely see Auburn and Bo Nix. You know, he's he's gaining some confidence in that last few games, so I could see him going into Texas A&M and uh, quieting that Aggie crowd. The good thing for Bo Nix is it's not all on his shoulders. You know, that defense is strong, and they have a, Auburn's always had a pretty good strong run game. Yeah. So. What's up with Auburn's defensive linemen having single-digit digit numbers? It's like big guys with little numbers. They're just good like that. (laughs) Uh, So we got number three, Georgia at home versus Notre Dame, number seven. You know, this is going to be a great great game. Uh, Georgia beat Notre Dame a few years back. It's actually Jake Fromm's first game. To be honest with you, I'm not a Notre Dame fan. I just never like Notre Dame, I'll be honest with you. So I hope Notre Dame loses every game they play. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I hope Georgia Bulldogs put a smacking on Notre Dame. Uh, it's 
yeah, I just think Jake Fromm, throw 400, just embarrass Notre Dame, get him out of the top 10. Just, yeah, put some work on him. Who's, uh, who's Washington State have next week? Nobody. No, I'm kidding. UCLA. So, yeah, pretty much nobody. I'm just kidding. Number 19, Washington State Cougars will host UCLA at home. Uh, Chip Kelly and their young offense uh, and young team is going to go into Pullman. And they got a pretty decent quarterback. That's one thing that does bother me about UCLA. I did watch their game. Is that they, they don't let uh, their quarterback run the ball very much. That Robinson kid, he's a stud. I think he can run the ball a little bit more and create more opportunities for that offense because when he does run, he's he's getting good plays, but they tell him to stay in the pocket, and you just see him get flustered and get sacked. They must just not have a terrible backup. Yeah. The backup situation must be terrible. Yeah, but I don't see Chip Kelly doing well versus us. You know, Our defense has been pretty stout these past few weeks, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of us lately. I think that was one of our biggest weaknesses. Um, as a team is not having very stellar defense and not finishing games, but we're looking a lot better moving forward, and I can see us getting the W versus the Bruins. Who do your uh, Rebels got this week? We are at home against the Pac-12, number 23, Cal. Oh, I think it's time to put a bet up. Time to bet up. Bet up or shut up. (laughs) So Cal actually is coming into this one favored by a few points, but, you know, it's at home. You know, hopefully we can, you know, Get that run game going with those freshmen and senior Scotty Phillips and just kind of control it and just dominate. How about this? Let's put up a bet. If Mississippi – or, oh, excuse me. Well, yeah, get, get the team right first. <laughs> That's part of the joke. So, if Ole Miss loses to Cal, you got to give a goal – go Mississippi State. And if Cal loses to Ole Miss, I'll do a go dogs. Shake on that. Oh, here we go. This isn't even my school, so Cal, you better represent and uh, beat Ole Miss because I, I, I am not going to want to say that. And, you know, I'm not a dog fan at all, as you guys know. Go Cougs, baby. Um, but, yeah, hell of a, a, a decent week, I guess you would say. And, you know, these, these upcoming games, this upcoming week should be pretty interesting and fun to watch. So make sure you check those out um, and give them a, a, give them a good watch. Uh, Josh, any anything else? You know, you I, I always get a little more excited when we get into uh, SEC play or Pac-12 play, conference play. It's it seems like we get some more upsets in conference play because these teams know each other. You know, and I'm I'm all about some upsets. That's what I really like to see is upsets. I hopefully we get some some big upsets this week. Yeah, I think upsets generally come with heart. You know, I think a lot of teams when they're ranked, like for example, a Bama team. Bama wins 90%. Yes, they have talent. Don't get me wrong. But I think half the teams already lose before they even play Bama simply because the intimidation factor. They know they're playing an, a stout Alabama team. So it's like that alone will intimidate some people. So where you got teams to come in here and step their game up versus these talented teams is what's really awesome and cool to see these upsets that they step up in the biggest times and, you know, create these uh these great memories for these young kids so it's really awesome to see uh one more thing i want to talk about is uh who's your who's your front runner for the heisman real quick oh um you know i'm gonna stick with stick with uh jalen hurts yeah i think he's i think he's running it yeah i i could see him Tua's looking good Tua's looking looking really good that's one person we didn't really talk about today simply because alabama just steamrolled and you know, simple as that. But 
I think Tua, I, Tua and Jalen, I can see both of those guys going to New York and playing each other in the college football playoff. I can see this happening. I can see Jalen Hurts winning the Nash, or excuse me, winning the Heisman, and then they play each other in the national championship, and then Tua winning versus uh, Oklahoma in the Ooh. national championship. I'm calling it right there. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there it is. Bama beats Oklahoma in the national championship. If you disagree with Easton, you know, let us know on Twitter, uh, CFB Pod Talk. Email us, collegefootballpodtalk at gmail.com. We appreciate all your guys' love and support. Make sure you guys listen and share. And we love what we do and love giving you guys input about college football and all the games of the week and whatnot. And this is what our passion is, and we love what we do. Josh, anything else you got to say, brother? Man, that's it. Well, thank you for listening, and make sure you tune in every week as we always hit you with the best entertainment. Peace.